welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Uh, boys, we have uh, we have two sponsors in the boat right now. Uh, it's good to be us. It's good to be the Rants uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but Pipe, why don't you tell us about our business partners for this week? Yeah, our first uh, sponsor is our longtime partner, um, almost common law wife at this point, really. I like um, that. Yeah, our com- our common law sponsor, Dwell Bible App. Uh, an audio Bible app you guys should all be familiar by now. If you're not, listen close because they're well worth checking out. Uh, Dwell is a it's, it's an app for all mobile devices. Um, they have multiple narrators, multiple listening plans, multiple Bible versions, really a, any way to help you listen through Scripture uh, that fits in your life, the margins of your life, making it a key part of your devotions, whatever it is. Um, they also have special offers for Happy Rant listeners. So if you go to the link dwellapp.io slash happy rant, dwellapp.io slash happy rant, they are offering a 10% discount off their annual subscription. So that comes out to about $3 a month, very inexpensive, or a 33% discount off their lifetime uh, subscription, which is, uh, that would be just under $100. So it might seem a little pricey up front, but basically you pay for this and you have access to dwell in perpetuity as they add features, continue to build out their, um, all of their plans. And they're doing that constantly. Since we started with them, they've, they've built out a ton and continue to develop more. So encourage you to check that out. Again, it's dwellapp.io slash happy rant. Uh, we occasionally post this to social media. You can also find the link in the show notes at happy rant, uh, podcast.com. So, or happy rant.com. Um, our other sponsor is the CSB Bible. Um, so that is, uh, it's a Bible version that is put out by Lifeway. So it's, it's part of, it's part of the Lifeway family, um, and a really good, accurate, easy to read Bible translation. And we particularly want to highlight the ancient faith study Bible today. So that is a, it's a study Bible that pulls in writings, notes, um, and words from church fathers, and then the first three or four centuries of the church. So not the stuff you usually get in a study Bible. Usually it's modern scholars, or a key pastor, or we've talked about the Spurgeon study Bible. This is church fathers oriented. So how, really, how did we get the doctrines that we have now? Where, what, how did they see scripture? If you go to lifeway.com, the ancient faith study Bible is 50% off for the month of February with no discount code needed. So you just go, you find the one you want, different, they have different covers and all that. Lifeway.com, search ancient faith study Bible. They're all 50% off. We've also highlighted in previous weeks a couple different discount codes. Those are in the show notes as well. I'm not going to repeat them because they're long and complicated. But they were on the Christian Standard Commentaries, the Christian Standard Bible Notebooks, and then we've also talked about the verse-by-verse Bible, which is 40% off for February. So if you go to lifeway.com, you can get Bibles at a discount. You see our show notes for those, uh, those coupon codes. Check it out. I've been using the CSB for a couple years uh, just in my personal reading and really enjoy it. So I encourage you to check that out and get those discounts. Piper, incredible promo work as always. And uh, I know I speak for Ronald in saying that uh, we don't take that for granted. Um, every week, especially these weeks where there's two sponsors, you are, uh, you're, you're doing the Lord's work there, Pipe, and, uh, and doing a good job. And boys, um, 
I mean, just, I, I just, to, just to clarify, that's because we are certain that the Lord's work is capitalistic. And if, <laughs> if we have if we have one conviction on this show, it's that it's that God wants us to be rich. So, as Joel yeah. Osteen taught me, the Lord's yeah. work is making me wealthy and making all my dreams come true. So, um, in in a way, you could say that. Um, Pipe, Ronald, little bit of a little bit of a downer pre-show production meeting this morning. Um, I, I sense that the mood is a little bit lower than it's been in the past. Um, it could be that we're recording this very early in the morning because we are day crushers. We get up earlier than everyone else so that we can crush our days. Um, I don't know, but maybe the mood is tackling something a bit more serious. Uh, you guys mentioned maybe talking about the, uh, the Ravi Zacharias thing. Um, and you're going to have to bring me up to speed on that. I know it's bad and I know it has to do with something sexual, but that's all I know about it. So, uh, maybe I can get like a, like a little two minute cliff notes and we can, uh, we can see what we want to talk about on that one. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, normally on the podcast we go, we, we love to, we love to yuck it up about things and that's kind of the tone and there's not really a way to do that about the whole Ravi thing, but I think it's probably worth discuss, discussing at, uh, at some level, um, the the flyover version is that so Ravi Zacharias passed away in 2020, um, and at the time of his death, there were uh, sig- quite a few accusations that came out about sexual misconduct, uh, reports of him having owned or co-owned a couple different massage parlors, and uh, you know you can kind of imagine all the the things that would have happened there, and then accusations dating back, I think, to as far as far back as 2017 is when they were on record, and and then to compound matters, you know, kind of his his falsification of responses and denying the claims and really really uh, making the accusers look like like they were lying and shaming him and kind of living on his reputation as um, this godly leader. Um, the leadership of, at, at the ministry hired an outside firm to do an independent investigation, kind of gave them full leeway. And the findings were, were worse than anybody imagined in terms of the extent of his sexual misconduct, mistreatment of women, et cetera. And I mean, it's just, it, it, I don't know if it's the most egregious in recent days, but it hits really, it hits really hard because he was such a standard bearer for Christian apologetics, Christian faith, mm. and was perceived to be a man of biblical character, you know, not to, I don't want, you know, I don't want to start comparing people per se, but there are some leaders who fall and you're like, yeah, that seemed kind of obvious, you know, like sure. they, they were, they were marrying themselves to fame and money and other things that, you know, would kind of pull people away from the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he didn't give off that vibe. So, mm-hmm. and he just had so many beloved followers for whom he was really instrumental in building their faith and helping them learn how to defend the faith and really understand scripture and all these things. And so I think the fallout of this is going to be pretty heinous. Yeah, man. Thanks for that. That's, uh, that's helpful. Um, and, and, you know, to be clear, the last thing we want to do is, is be three middle-aged guys standing on the outside of this thing, finger wagging. But I, I think it might be helpful to, I don't know, just look at all these guys who have, who, who have kind of taken that big tumble over the last few years and, yeah, just see what we can learn from it. Um, and it's, it's always this fine line of, you know, the three of us to some degree by nature of publishing and even just doing this show are in 
some level of the public eye, albeit much smaller. And we kind of laugh about that. And we sort of laugh about like, wouldn't it be great if we had, you know, more money and more scope and more fame. But I think with that comes the, you know, the danger for some of this stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. Ronald, man of the cloth, pastor, co-host of a pastoring podcast. Um, what? How does it hit you when you hear stuff like this about pastors who are, you know, famous, revered, et cetera? Yeah, it's uh, well, it it's a bit of a. Um, I think for me, I think for a lot of us, it's a, it's a bit of a gut punch, you know. And I think, I think it draws out all these implications. I think you know, on one hand, your first thought is just naturally how how could he have, how could he have like led a a this you know, this kind of egregious double lifestyle to the point to where he's engaged in all of these activities. And then, you know, um, he just continues to stand up in front of people presenting himself as like Piper said, this, this man of godly character that is leading other men and women, you know, uh, encouraging them, um, in, in how to defend their faith and to increase their character and so you you just stand back and you look at that and you know your first I my first two thoughts are man can you believe anybody mm. and then um it and then the other thought is um oh my gosh you know like this as if this office in itself wasn't um wasn't fragile enough um I'm I'm afraid that I'm afraid for how people are going to are, are people ever going to be able to trust me? You know, I mean, again, not mm-hmm. not and never will be at the level of a Ravi, but you know, on our own level, like you pointed out, T, it's like, man, can we? Is is there anybody you can trust? Is there anybody that you can you know have some certainty about that? Although they're not perfect, yeah, uh, man, they're striving towards godliness, and man, you you can, you know, you can have some level of of certainty that. Um, you know, these are people that are, that are seeking Christ and all that they do. And it, so, so it almost puts you at this, this position of like vulnerability towards like, man, why would anybody even, you know, put their trust in, in any of us who are in a position of biblical authority in some capacity, which is, which is all of us mm-hmm. here on the pod, you know? So I don't know. It, it, it's, it, to me, it just feels like vulnerability um, in, in that way. And it just, I feel like it puts, even, you know, pastors at just a profound disadvantage now because, you know, um, you, you know, you see a high profile guy that again, you know, didn't just have an indiscretion, not to, and, and not mm-hmm. that it wouldn't be a serious thing if it was just, an, you know, one or one indiscretion mm-hmm. that just, you know, that came that surfaced on the heels of his death. But like, this is so over the top. Yeah. I mean, this is above and beyond like almost, you know, almost any, I mean, this is peak. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You'd be you hard to find phrase, another case that this is bad. You use the phrase "double life." I think that really describes it because I mean, there's like, just it, the, the report basically shows that he had he had built his life to build in room for all all of this pattern of sexual indiscretions, like building it into travel schedules, having properties in other yeah. countries, all of these things. I mean. It, it's all public. People can go read it. I don't know that I would encourage people to because that, that's a bit voyeuristic. Um, I, I don't know that I would have other than the fact that I'm uh, good friends with somebody who works for Ravi and have kind of seen the fallout of this at the employee level. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really ugly. And, and it yeah. really was a double life. It wasn't just a, you know, man kind of slipped into temptation. It was like, no, he structured this. He built yeah. this for a long time. Well, it was predatorial yeah. is what we would say. Yeah. 
so so here's my here's my temptation, and I want to I want to hear both you guys on this, but maybe Pipe, you can go first because you have a famous dad. Um, my, my temptation when I hear stuff like this is just, oh my gosh, just be a pastor, just keep it small, don't try to have an empire, don't try to, you know, uh, be a big yeah. huge publishing guy or whatever. Like, and I I, I say that probably out of a place of fear and probably out of a place of, I don't know. It just, it seems to get scary when this stuff snowballs and when you are traveling overseas and when you have a staff, you know what I mean? Like, um, and when you, when you have an empire that has so many employees that, uh, I don't know, you can, you can keep stuff secret or you can take advantage of people or whatever. Um, but so I'm sure that's not coming entirely from a place of, uh, fully trusting God with stuff. So I, I don't know that's my knee jerk response to it, I guess what, and, and Piper, your dad by God's grace has seemed to handle this well, but also not have an empire. When I think of John Piper, I don't think of him as someone with a, a huge company or an empire or whatever. So speak to that a little bit, if you would. Yeah. To, I, have a, I have a handful of thoughts. The first one, just want to clarify it. Ravi Zacharias is not anybody's pastor. And, and yeah, that, that's, that's a distinction that doesn't make any difference to the outside world. What he is to the outside world is prominent Christian who just, you know, took a big dump all over the name of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. What he is inside the church, that, that's a worthwhile distinction, because he wasn't even attached to a local church in any prominent way, which is real problematic in its own right. I mean, I think yeah. following Christian leaders who are not part of a community of believers is is real risky lone lone wolf christians are dangerous uh you know lone sheep christians like lone anything christians this is just not a good healthy place so i think that's a worthy distinction to make for our listeners because because it's it's a christian audience for the most part and and that's when a pastor falls i think there's there's a different sort of damage done than when just a, a public figure falls Mm-hmm. It's subtle, but it's a real thing. Um, That's a so good point. To, to your question, though, um, my temptation when I hear this is is to go full kind of Pharisee mode. Thank God I'm not like that guy kind of thing, mm-hmm. even though, again, you, you mentioned our, our scale is so much smaller than the influence of, of Ravi. But, yeah, my, my, my temptation is to go that way, and I have to real readily – make the shift to yeah i i could have i could be that i could have been that sure. you know it, it on on my tiny scale like dishonesty <laughs> dishonesty and and lying and being predatory are not uh are not the exclusive realm of power they're just easier yep. when you're in power um and as far as what i saw from my dad that that has been so beneficial to me the first is he never built anything around his name I I have become skeptical over the years of ministries built around a person's name. Mm-hmm. Um, now there there are ways to do that that are still like very personality driven that aren't yeah. the name itself. But my dad didn't want the the truth of his ministry to die when he passes away. He would mm-hmm. like he would like the the gospel message, the hopefulness that he's preached to pass on. And that doesn't work when it's all attached to John Piper. It has mm-hmm. there has to be something more to it. The second thing is <clears throat> passing off of wealth and power. My dad is, 
My dad doesn't keep the royalties from his books. He doesn't keep the honorariums from speaking. And he, uh, and, and so there, there's, he's always lived at a level of kind of a, just a salary level. And we, we never lacked for anything, but he was very, he was very suspicious of wealth as a temptation, um, maybe to a fault. You know, we've talked about that, how I wish maybe, maybe there was more that could have been done with that money. But, sure. uh, but generally speaking, on the conscience side of things, I think that's, the, that's a good inclination. Yeah. Um, and then he passed off authority. He is not, while he is the, 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 the heaviest voice in the room um, at Desiring God Ministries, he's not the executive director. He's not the CEO. He's, mm-hmm. he's the content guy. He's the one yeah. who creates the content, but strategy, hiring, firing, all of those things. And then just at the personal integrity level, he, he made it a point to be visible to, to travel with um, another. His assistant has always been a male mm-hmm. who could travel with him and could, you know, to, there, there's sort of a visible accountability for his time, his, you know, all of that. And again, th- there, there's room for sin anywhere, but there were steps taken to avoid the appearance of evil as well as just avoid falling into sin. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the thing that I saw from my dad more than that I have no idea, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't the case for these, these guys who have fallen, is the man would lock himself in his, in his office to spend time with the Lord with rigor. Like he just didn't play around with it. And there were no, and I'm, I'm certain that it wasn't always fruitful and good because, you know, sometimes we just beat our heads, heads against the Bible, but he just didn't mess around with it. That was always a priority. Mm -hmm. And there was, it was the only time when I ever thought I shouldn't interrupt him. Like he was always kind of Mm -hmm. come on in, talk to me. But in the morning when that door was shut, it was like, Nope, this is dad's time with God. And, I can wait 30 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. And so that, I think that's just a, it sounds so simple, but it's probably the most common characteristic of these guys falling is that that part of their life just, just dissolved. They stopped put, they stopped prioritizing their time with the Lord and they started, they they replaced it with, with strategy, with writing, with content creation, with whatever. Mm. And, Mm. and they just became, worldly CEOs. Yeah, man, that's so good. You said like a dozen things in there that are, that are phenomenal and, and really helpful and really quite frankly convicting, you know, and I think you, yeah, when you get busier, when you have more people who quote unquote need you, it's, it's so easy to, yeah, just think of yourself as something more than what you actually are, which is someone who's dependent on the grace of the Lord day by day. And, um, yeah, these things are they're at one level very hard to talk about, but on another level it's a good it's a good reset. You know, it's just a mental reset where you realize you know, far be it for me to 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 finger wag about this because I've been again on a much smaller scale chasing the same things. Um baby, what what do you have to add to that? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it was so well said. I mm-hmm. you know, there's um there's something in our hearts that um, kind of pushes back against accountability. And so there's, it sounds like what John did all those years is recognize in his own heart the dangers 
that potentially lied there. And he took all of these steps to make sure that he had things in place around him that could help prevent him from leaning into those weaknesses. Cause we all like, like we all have those weaknesses, you know, and again, they're, they're, they all go to scale. Right. Um, and I, I think just ha- like recognize having the humility, it goes back to humility for me. So having the humility to recognize I am, I am weak, I'm a weak man and I need to have people and I need to have systems in place to at the very least, like just man, keep me at a level of purity so that my ministry continues to, um, to have a level of char- character in it that needs to drive it. I, I just think that's so good. But I think that's a humbling thing. And I think when you have so many people around you telling you how great you are and you see just the, the forward momentum and the upward mobility that it creates and all the money and all the people that are, you know, just continue to be affected in a positive way by the words you say, the temptation is that you become untouchable. And again, when you start believing your own hype, you lose that sense of humility that needs to be at the heart of a ministry. And so it sounds like John, and again, the people we see that have been able to avoid what Ravi was, didn't avoid, just they have people and systems put into place because they know their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's really good. And something you, something you said toward the beginning of that raised another question for me. So in a world that's completely at odds with humility. Like there, there are very few things in our culture in 2021 that are, that are pro humility, you know? And in fact, it it would, it would be easy to go through each day and never think about that. Like, how do you, and you guys can both answer this. How do you contend for humility? Like, how do you plan for it? How do you strive for it in a culture that's completely at odds with it or has no interest in it? Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think I think the there's only one way to do it that I've found that is um I don't want to say the successful, but that that is that that's real. Um yeah. and it's it has to be it has to be humility against the background of biblical reality and biblical truth. So and I don't mean the self-flagellation aspect of like, oh, I'm so terrible. But as much as yeah. what did Christ do for me, and and I and am I anything outside of that? Mm-hmm. Because you know, if if I've ever written a word or said a word that has been beneficial to anybody, that's 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 a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't get to take credit for that. I get to. Mm-hmm. I, I should be thankful that I have had the opportunity, thankful for the the communication skills, the the road that the Lord has led me on. But there is simply no room for me to pat myself on the back for having accomplished anything. And, I mean, people have different stories. My story is so full of uh, landmines that I just, like, cannonballed onto willingly that God has then kind of patched me back together from that I would be a moron not to not to mm. just think oh I don't have I don't have any business anytime I get a speaking engagement anytime we get a compliment on this podcast anytime somebody says one of your books was helpful that feels like you know I don't know it feels like the sun coming out at midnight sort of level of miracle to me um because because none of it exists outside of what Christ has done and and I don't, yeah, I don't know another way. I mean, there's, there's, there's the constant day to day battle of putting other people first and things like that. That's just that bucks against human instinct. 
but it's all against the backdrop of I, I really I really would be a hot mess at best outside of outside of the work of Christ. Yeah, don't you don't you think too? There's a there's a real argument to be made for vibrant local church mm-hmm. ministry yeah. membership, yeah. like really, really, really striving to be known and to know other people at a at a pretty intimate level, um, which can sometimes be be tougher for guys, I think. And I tell you though, like I'm I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for what we have in our church here, and I think. So one of the things I've seen over the last decade of just writing and doing doing this show and and getting emails cuz I, I think I think I'm like the accessible one. I'm like the fat backstreet boy. You know what I mean? And <laughs> <laughs> like I'm the one that people think they can talk to and I I think there's a lot of guys out there who they they get their quote unquote community from like shows or shows like this and they think they think there's a level of knowability there, and you know, a lot of times it's the same kind of guy. You know, they're they tend to be enneagram eights who aren't super healthy, who basically just want to get me on the phone and wear me out, for lack of a better term. And at the end of all those conversations, I'm like, man, I really wish they they had what I have, like a, a, a vibrant church body where. You know, there are a mm. dozen guys who know them really well and vice versa. And I think if we're not careful, like like you said, Pipe, at, at the top, like there's a there's an isolating thing that the enemy wants. You know, he, mm-hmm. he wants us to feel like, you know, my best friends are three guys on a podcast who I've never met, you know, and yeah, that's goodness, deeply the unhealthy. Yeah, we're their best friends. Uh, that They that, can do better. <laughs> Yeah, not only could they do better in real life, but like this isn't even real life. This yeah. isn't even the way the three of us interact uh, when when we're on the phone or in the same room. Like we mm-hmm. we're not. This is a an aspect of it, but this is entertainment. This is this is us yeah. spitballing about third party subjects. This isn't like Ted, how's your soul, and you know what's yeah. going on in your marriage, and like what do you mm-hmm. have to confess? Th- those yeah. are that all exists in a different context. Completely. So yeah, we're we're not anybody. We're not any listeners' best friends because of how we chit chat on this show. Yeah, for sure. Baby, additional thoughts. I kind of hijacked it after Pipe talked. Not at all. No, I think yeah. No, I think everything you guys are saying is is spot on. I I think you're um, Big T. I think what you said about local church, which is just local community mm-hmm. um, and lo- like you know seeking out people that are going to love you enough to um to to call you to the table when it's necessary and to also encourage you you know when you're feeling low and when you you know when you're hitting those moments where you man you just need a friend man we have to like be intentional about seeking that out right mm-hmm. that doesn't doesn't always just come to us you know and especially in the day and age that we're living in we we really have to go after it and um and thankfully i think we're all in in places where that's happening Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, but I, but I, I don't think we can undervalue that, you know, man, we have to have, we have to have men in our lives. We can have, you know, spouses in our lives. We have to have people in our lives that are, um, that are really, you know, constantly trying to surface what it is that's stirring in our hearts and souls. And, um, and we have to be intentional about that. We have to desire m- more of that kind of exposure mm-hmm. because we are, we're, um, 
we're susceptible to everything that Ravi has been susceptible to. Everybody is on, on a different scale. Yeah. Um, and so recognizing that and pursuing that is a way in which we live more humble lives, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. And I think, I think too, there's an aspect of, of, of this that maybe you guys can speak to better than me, differently than me, more than me, because you're men of the cloth, but you're also just geared differently as people. I, I've never wanted, I don't think I've ever wanted power. Like I, I have wanted adulation. Like I want people to love what I do and love me and tell me about it. And I'm very, very susceptible to that. But I think with, you know, with somebody like Ravi or somebody who's an empire builder per se, there is a, there's a desire for power there that I just can't relate to like a desire for influence that maybe, maybe even it starts in a good place. You know, maybe it starts in a place of, well, I know that I can do, I can do helpful things for people or whatever. Can you guys speak to that? Like just the, the desire to lead, I I guess I never really wanted that. Ronnie, why don't you why don't you take this one? I'd love to hear what you have to say, especially just. I mean, I'm I'm happy to respond. I just love to hear what you because you you came to a place of pastoral leadership so differently than I did, and out of a context of like you were you were an independent you know creator, and then moved into the ministry. That's a that's a pretty different role. Like I moved out of management. It's different. So I'd love to hear what you have to say. So T, so T, are you Frank? Can you just reframe the question? Yeah, I guess I I don't. I want to understand the mindset of people who want to, who want to be in charge of stuff, like who want to build empires because I, I can't get there. Like I can't, I can't imagine how that would be fun or good or whatever. I, I have plenty of my own hangups for sure. I mean, wanting to be loved, wanting to be told that I'm great, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, just that desire to like be in charge of stuff. I don't get it. You know, it's so funny you say that because I think we come at it uh, in some different ways, which you kind of, which you, which you basically, um, which you basically said at the beginning of the question. Um, and I think, you know, for, you know, I come at things, I come at things um, in the sense that I just like to create things yeah. and I like to start, I like to make things, create mm-hmm. things, start things. So by virtue of that, it puts me into in some in some cases it defaults me into the role of a leader if I'm the one leading the charge it also it also makes it so that I I want to lead so that I can create something that is important to me or that is valuable to me and so I approach it not so much from the standpoint of needing to you know you know kind of run the planet as much as I just I have a vision for things and the way in which I can you know best see that vision you know, uh, maybe explored and then come to fruition is I, I have to lead it. And so, um, again, that would just be more my personality because man, just the, the burden of leadership. Like, so if you looked at my church context, um, and, and I, I hope this doesn't sound like a pat on the back or anything, but like in terms of me as a, as a lead pastor, man, I have no problem with delegating, with bringing people to the table and saying, hey, man, I would love for you just to make the decisions on this, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes down to more te- more the technical aspects of, of ministry and those types of things. I just, I don't struggle with that. I don't have to, I don't have to take ownership over everything. In fact, I, I, 
I incre- I supremely dislike that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's just, man, there's certain parts of it that I take ownership over that I, th- I believe I have to. And I want to lead in as much as um, I feel like God has just given me a heart for that particular aspect of the ministry. But man, I it, again, I just like to create. I like to make things. Um, I like to communicate things. And so that it's the conduit. Leadership is the conduit to be able to do that much more than just somebody who is power hungry, um, who is insecure, who just needs to, you know, have everybody sort of exist on this tier below them um, because they actually have a bunch of other deeper, um, less formed issues in them that, that need to be surfaced and worked out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's good. Pipe, anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I think, I think I probably arrived at leadership, it was it was kind of a resistance to it for me, honestly, because I, I probably because I saw what my dad had to do as a leader, um, you know, the I, I mean, just up close, the burdens of leadership and because he sort of eschewed all the trappings of leadership, it that wasn't. I wasn't weighing against like, oh, there's so much glory and wealth in this. And then there's also this downside. So how do we weigh these? It was mostly just like. Oh, being a good leader means like you just take it on the chin constantly and you bear the burden mm. for people and mm. you have the late nights and the early mornings and yeah. you know hours in prayer and all of these different things and I was like, "Well, I don't that looks I don't want to do that. I'm going to try other things first." But I also think that if God has something in mind for you, he's going to get you there eventually. And so he between a, a propensity to lead. I just, I found myself at the front of most rooms I was in kind of, kind of gravitating towards that spot. Um, and then eventually getting to a place of recognizing the calling to, to, to be a ministry. I think calling's a big piece of it in vocational mm-hmm. ministry. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, it, it was not, I have no desire to build an empire and I'm, I'm probably almost negatively skeptical of that where when people with really righteous motives talk about building and growth and really kind of pursuing and chasing, I'm, uh, I get uncomfortable because I've seen the negative of that. And when, when there's actually a really good place for that. And so I, I would say I'm, I, I would fall more into the category of reluctant leader than empire builder because I've yeah. seen the, the ugliness enough. Oh, most definitely. And, and I agree with that. Like I'm, a hundred percent skeptical of somebody who runs into a room screaming, I'm a leader, I'm a leader, I'm a leader. I mean, typically that person can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag and they have no one following them. Um, and you guys probably see that in your churches and, and we do too, you know, just, uh, yeah, those are the people you're most skeptical of. Yeah. And most afraid of, honestly, and most afraid of, and most, most cautious about ever, you know, putting them into positions of leadership, which, which makes it a little, yeah, that makes it a little tricky. I I really struggle to know what to do with the verse when Paul says it is a, you know it's a good thing to yes. aspire to eldership or to to leadership because yeah. I was like not in my life it's not you know my yeah. my aspiration felt prideful for you know or or that there was just such a blend there but sure. but like that's that's the Bible t- saying that it is a good thing so yes we all have that sort of cringe skepticism of those people who charge up and and announce they're the leader. But there's also a sense in which aspiring to leadership is a thing we should do in the right frame of heart and mind. And that's, that's a hard thing to sort out. Like I I couldn't sort it out in my own life very well. 
Mm-hmm. I think no, that's a really good point. I and I think how I've always read that is to aspire to the character that scripture lays out in terms of what needs to form a leader's heart. So if we look at all the qualifications for elder, man, that's a good thing to aspire to that level of character. I mean, that man, you should want to aspire to that. And by virtue of somebody who aspires to that and tries um, to live that out there by virtue of that, they're going to be a leader that you want overseeing the church for sure. Because there's, you know, and aspiring to leadership in the church, especially, but really anywhere, if you're going to be a good leader, is aspiring to bearing burdens and serving others. It is yeah. influence and platform are not leadership. Right? They they're just being loud. They're being catchy. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of things. I mean, every every one hit wonder in history was an influencer for that summer. You know that sure. that's, that song was influential for those three months of my life. But they, they didn't lead anything. They didn't lead a cultural change. Every person who's ever led anything meaningful has has scars from it. And, you know, like they're, they're, they're the gnarled ones from, from bearing those burdens. So I think mm-hmm. aspiring to that understanding of leadership is a great thing. Most people aspire to power, which is, yeah. which is a real risky thing. Well, I wonder, too, if we started reframing our thoughts about this. Like, what if we started... What if this became a thing where we started to see power and influence as one of in platform as one of the negative so, sort of something that is one of the negative um, side effects to becoming a good leader? In other words, we looked at that as being okay. Now, remember, if you're a good leader, some of the things that can come with that is a certain kind of platform and celebrity and fame and power. So just beware of that. So that when people, even for like, even for like younger people that are going to come up and they're going to gain some sense of leadership. I mean, if we really framed it around that and said, now you might be getting a platform, you might be gaining some power, you might be gaining some influence. Those things can be used for good, but more often than not, they have the ability and the tendency to do negative things to your heart. So just be aware of that. So instead of seeing that and thinking that as being sort of something that's, you know, the, the cherry on top, we could, we can almost frame it as being something that we just need to be more cautioned against and guarded against. Right. Do you think I, there's I any way that. to actually get that through to people though? I mean, in the same well, way, I don't know. Cause to, I don't know. to me, that's just like trying to get a young person and I'm putting myself in this category because it wasn't that long ago that that advice would have fallen on my deaf ears too, to, to degree. It's like saying, don't write to be a bestseller, write to say something meaningful. Well, yeah, right. yeah mm-hmm. but the bestsellers are the ones who make the money and get the glory. So why wouldn't I try to do that? You know, why wouldn't I try to leverage my way into that? It's really hard to, yeah. to, to um, persuade people that platform and power are more temptation than they are opportunity. Yeah, well, and it, sure. it, w- it would be costly to us if we were going to actually try to live that out in that we would stop doing like two thirds of the things that we, <laughs> that we spend a lot of time doing. I mean, if we're really going with fame as bad as a, as a lifestyle, we'd probably stop doing this podcast or write fewer books or things that would really hit us. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think it's somewhat theoretical, um, and and I get it. Like we need to we need to keep coming around to this. And we need to keep bringing it up. But but I, I do think if if one were to really like unspool that, it would it would get costly. And that's probably what it needs to be. You know, I mean, it probably needs to be out of the realm of 
just things that we say into into our computers and into the realm of something that's costly. But the 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 scary part of that is feeling like I'm the only one doing it, right? So if I go with fame as bad as a lifestyle and I start turning down book deals or chances to appear on podcasts or whatever, and everybody else is still going for it, then I feel like I'm giving something up that's it can't be that problematic because, you know, Ravi Zacharias is still doing it or you know, Tim Keller or John Piper or whoever, um, you know what I'm saying? Is that making any yeah, sense? I think, yeah, I think what you're, yeah, I think you're describing, I mean, it's just, you're always checking the motivations of your heart. So if God is giving you particular opportunities based on the way he's gifted you to influence other people in a way that points others to the gospel and the kingdom, then, you know, you, you really, it would, it would, in a sense, you could argue that it would be wrong for you not to not to, you know, um, practice those gifts in that way. At the same time, just that awareness of, man, I just got to, I got to hold my motivations in check because I love yeah. people telling me I'm great. I love that too much. Yeah. You know, and I, and I love the power that that brings, um, you know, to my, you know, I, I love what, I, I love what that does to set me up in life. Yeah. You know, too that's much. Right. I love it. I love it more than the good, the actual spiritual good that it might be having on others. Yeah. And we just got to hold that in check. We got to pray that God would make that aspect of it um, ugly in a sense to yeah. us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly ugly when we see it in other people, but it's like <laughs> yeah. decidedly less right. ugly when we see it in ourselves, which is the Correct. problem, you know? Correct. Like, oh, I'll be the one who can handle, you know, being able to. To, to do all this stuff. And some people are, you know, so, uh, you're, you're, yeah, very I mean, to, few, to bring, to bring it out a little bit, right? Some people have a personality. Um, you see this with artists. There are some artists that they enjoy, um, you know, the, they enjoy the, the power and the fame and the influence that comes with the art that they make. And then you really do have this other personality that's like, I, I truly just want to do what I'm doing. And I don't need to talk to people about it. And in fact, I, I don't like it when all eyes are on me. It's a personality thing more than anything else. Mm -hmm. What they would say is, hey, it's great that a, a, a large number of people enjoy my work because it allows me to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. But in terms of me, like just getting, you know, deriving all of the satisfaction from being in the public eye, some people just don't even like that, you know? Mm. I think it's safe to say that none of us have that personality, but I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, boys. This is yeah. No, I, go ahead, pipe. I'm, I'm just gonna one, one last thought. We're just in hearing you guys talk about the the whole sort of eschewing and pushing away and and stiff arming fame thing. It it really does seem to circle back around to something you said earlier, Ted, which is the the necessity of the investment in the local church because. Mm. If we took the leaders seriously who God had planted right in front of us, so our pastors, our elders, our deacon, you know, whatever your church polity is, priests, your small group leaders, these are the people who you're looking to versus the celebrity, it reframes everything because then mm. the voice of John Piper is just a voice of he's he's just a he's a theological mouthpiece who God is using, but he's not like your pastor. You're not looking to him to right. follow him. You're just you're benefiting from what he has to say. You're following your pastor. And mm. I mean, that, mm. that's that been a significant shift for me in the last 10 years was a realization that being invested in podcast preaching and what is the latest big bestseller from a Christian so-and-so was really detrimental to my, uh, to my understanding of, 
of leadership, of humility, of all those things. And when I decided I'm just going to invest in my church, wherever that is, as, as my primary, it, it reframed a lot of that. And, it, and it's so relaxing. Mm. It's so relaxing to go, well, I guess I'll just talk to my pastor about this, or I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be in community with my small group, my friends through church. There's just not the burden of chasing and pride. I mean, there, there's still a temptation there, but it, it really does reframe things. You have to come back to it regularly. But that, that, that local church aspect is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's really good. That's, um, that's so true and a great word to end on. Um, boys, we've done what we almost never do on this podcast, which is talk about one serious thing for 45 minutes. But, uh, but no, it felt, it felt good, and I'm glad we, I'm glad we did it this way, boys. And um, until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name's Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.